Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist and developing the skills to harness that voice. I've got a guest today who damn near transformed the way I think about all this. He's on in a minute. First, three quick requests. One, subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. It's the best podcast app I know. It keeps a playlist of your favorite shows and automatically updates with new episodes so you don't need to download them. Just download the Stitcher app and subscribe to the Telling the Story podcast. Second, rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you like what you're hearing and want others to hear it too, a kind rating on iTunes is the best way to boost us in the rankings and search, so I kindly encourage that. Finally, a reminder, you can buy my book, The Solo Video Journalist, wherever fine books are sold. It is a how-to guide for the most in-demand job in local TV news, those who shoot and edit their own stories. It is getting picked up by college classes. Last week, I actually received a fascinating email from a reader in England who picked it up, so I love that it has spread that far. Again, that is The Solo Video Journalist, on sale now. I have today a guest who, on the surface, might not seem like a great fit for this podcast. He is not a journalist per se. He's an entrepreneur. He comes from the world of marketing, formerly of Google and HubSpot. But through his unthinkable podcast, my guest has taught me so much about two subjects that get to the core of this podcast, developing your voice and believing in that voice. And in an industry where so often idealistic voices are pounded into the dirt of the daily grind... Sometimes it takes an outsider to help bring some of that passion back. He is the founder of Unthinkable Media, the overseer of, I believe, four podcasts, if my count is correct, a prolific keynote speaker, and the author of the upcoming book, Break the Wheel, Why Best Practices Hold Us Back from Doing Our Best Work. Jay Akunzo, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Jay, uh, I, I think I've got everything in your bio. Have I missed anything that is germane that the listeners should know? I started in sports media, so <laughs> I, the, only, the only reason I ventured into the tech and uh, and by proxy, uh, I guess marketing or content marketing world, it was because they told me I could show I could uh, create for a living. So I showed up for work. So I, this <laughs> this show has a near and dear place in my heart for this audience. And you you were telling me before we began that you had an internship at ESPN. Yeah, I went to a small liberal arts college called Trinity in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, about 35 minutes, 40 minutes down the road was ESPN, and I actually worked in their PR and comms department. So I was writing columns about the on-air talent to help promote their programs, and it was there I kind of realized I could use the creative craft in a business context, because uh, previously I'd been doing all both student papers and local print papers, so I kind of saw the business side of it, and, and that actually was very interesting to me. What was it that, that said to you very quickly in your young career that maybe the business end or maybe the marketing end, maybe the, the entrepreneurial end is more where I see myself. I'd like to say that I had the foresight to notice that print was dying or at least struggling. I don't like dying because I don't think anything is like, quote, dead. But, you know, it's it's struggling. Uh, I'd like to say I had the foresight to see that all the editors around me were asking me, a student at the time, about blogging and social media. I'd like to say I saw something around the corner. The truth is I thought I had a job lined up at ESPN. And when <laughs> the economy tanked in 2008, that job went away. And so I had to just kind of scramble. And the first job I had was Google. I was a digital media strategist, which meant that I uh, advised brands and agencies on how to use 
digital technologies and specifically, obviously, Google's technologies to market their businesses. I was basically like a geek translator. Uh, and uh, that was really fun for me, but it wasn't what I expected to do. So I, I guess my short answer is I was kind of blindsided by the economy tanking and forced to reevaluate where I wanted to go. Mm, very interesting. Now, I first discovered you through uh, a form of media that you enterprise, the Unthinkable podcast. The tagline that you've always used is trust your intuition, and you spool out stories every week that showcase self-starters who have done just that. It is truly, and, and we were talking a little about this before we got on, but I, for a journalist, listen to a lot of marketing podcasts, probably more than most who do what I do, but a lot of social media marketing, a lot of entrepreneurial marketing. The Unthinkable podcast it has always been my favorite because it's just so well produced, but also it is so inspiring every time to find individuals who, for the most part, I had not known existed, but who, as you say, trust their intuition and really develop develop things that are both successful, but also unique to them. Give a brief window into that concept of trusting your intuition and why it's so tough to find in most businesses. So I think intuition is the process that I'm trying to push people towards because of a problem. So let's start with the problem. I, I think the problem is in this internet age, there are so many best practices and so much conventional wisdom out there for you to glom onto that what ends up happening is you conflate a best practice with the best approach for you. And I think all a best practice really is, is a nice place to start. But there's a lot of places to start, right? Like a best practice is what works on average, but you don't wanna do average work. A best practice is what works in general, but there are very many variables in your specific situation that that expert or past precedent, they don't take it into account. So what I'm trying to get people to do is if they aspire to do anything better than average, to trust their intuition to get them the rest of the way there. I think we, we have this misnomer that best practices indeed lead us to our best work, and I just don't think that's the case. And so I started creating a show around this concept. That's unthinkable. It was people that do work that seems crazy, seems out of reach for us. But when you speak to them, when you hear their side of the story, it seems very logical. And the reason it seems logical is from the outside looking in, we might have some kind of preconception or, or, or best practice in mind for what they do for work. And then you hear their story and it's like, wait, they're just following the details of their own context. And that is leading them to better decisions and better work than any best practice could provide. And I think the process of investigating your context like these people do is intuition. And if you look at the root of the word intuition, I think it fits. It's not this lofty like ideal. It's not the muse visiting you. The root of the word intuition comes from the Latin intuere. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, intuere. <laughs> uh, but it basically means to consider. Or from the old English, it also means to contemplate. So what I'm trying to get people to do is act more like investigators instead of experts. Experts know generalities or absolutes. Investigators care about asking the right questions and finding their own answers. And I call that process trusting your intuition. It's a beautiful concept. And I think one that translates to so much of what we do in journalism, I will say on a, on a micro level, on a story to story level, if you're a journalist who goes out and produces a piece and you're sent out on assignment, yes, you can follow the crowd and follow what other stations might be doing or how they might approach a story. But so often it's figuring out the part of the story that hits you and that touches you and then exploring why that is that helps you create a more uh, a powerful, lasting piece. 
I'll give you a perfect example of this idea that both touches on your point and also this idea of intuition or, you know, investigation through asking the right questions instead of obsessing over someone else's answers. I work with a creative producer for all the shows that I work on. And so for context, Unthinkable Media is my business spawned out of the show Unthinkable, where I also direct and host shows for B2B brands. So those are my clients. Um, so to help scale my work, I have a producer and she told me about a story she did in radio once where she was telling the story of a historical figure. And it was a great story. This guy was like a, a murderer, I guess. And there was all sorts of intrigue around his story. But the story was largely told and the person was decently well known. So even just like sharing the facts alone wasn't going to cut it. And I think that's what journalists largely do. They are they are vessels who are going out into the world and rooting out the right details to then share that with their readers. But what she realized was, even though the best practice was not to talk about yourself, not to speak in the first person, because of the context of this one story, and because it was audio, it was actually really powerful for her to insert herself more. So she gave this little like first person angle to the story of like, the process of creating the story became more compelling than just the story of this person. And so that's an example where the best practice was to remove yourself but the best work was actually to insert yourself as the mm -hmm. creator. And if you just clung to the to the con convention, you would have done worse work or at least commodity work. And so I think that's what I'm trying to get people to do is like don't remove the self, you know, develop the self-awareness and also situational awareness needed to do better work than any commodity or conventional wisdom can give you. I mentioned that uh, you transformed my approach to my work and, and I'll give you the short story as to how. So last year around this time, I was in talks with my station, WXIA-TV in Atlanta, to receive my own storytelling franchise. And I'd been at the station eight years, had won a bunch of awards for storytelling. I wanted to do something ambitious, so I fought for this franchise. And when I received it, suddenly I had this sense that journalists don't often feel, which is freedom. I was ah. essentially in charge of my own segment. So I wanted something that would be forward-thinking, energetic, galvanizing, basically from scratch, and around this time, this was last summer, I was listening to your Unthinkable podcast, and you had around a two-month-long series of episodes called How Intuition Works. And, uh, and I would advise anyone listening to this to go take a stroll through those episodes, because they really are transformative. And that gave me such inspiration. In August, I launched Untold Atlanta. In the last 10 months, I have taken more chances, broken more ground, and accepted more challenges with that segment than I have in a long time, and I'm happy to report it is paying off. Not only are we getting great response, but it's received some tremendous award honors. Uh, I received a regional Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Documentary a few weeks ago, and as of the other night, we just learned that a lot of those stories were responsible for 10 regional Emmy nominations that just came out hey, this past year. Thank you. That's so, awesome. and, and again, I, I, you know, I obviously take the credit for taking that on, but a lot of that came from trusting my intuition and a lot of that came from listening to the examples and the path that you provided in your podcast. So I tell that story to say two things. First, again, if you're listening to this podcast and you want that kind of inspiration, subscribe to Unthinkable immediately and start just scrolling through the archives because it's pretty great. Secondly, Jay, you talk about something and you mentioned it in this series called The Leap. And I wanted to dive into that because I think for most journalists, it is hard to imagine leaping away from what they're used to because it seems like it requires putting yourself out there in a way that can really be harmful to you as a journalist. 
as you say, though, it doesn't always have to be that way. And I wanted to get your insights and, and get your background into that. I, I start every keynote speech I give with the same question to the audience, and it gets kind of a, a snicker, which is on a scale of zero to 10, who here aspires to be a five? And, and obviously, there's a little uncomfortable silence, and some people laugh, and maybe one smart ass in the back raises his hand, which I actually acknowledge <laughs> later in the talk. But like, nobody aspires to be average, right? But then we go to work, and we're super busy. We have results. We have the pressures of our daily lives, both in and out of work. There's all this stuff that happens that leads us to create work that we don't feel is like our absolute best. Once in a while, maybe we feel it, but for the most part, I think we all feel there's more we could give. And so there's this gap that exists between the work we aspire to do and the work we're actually doing or, or the results we want to get from the work or fulfillment and the results and fulfillment we're actually experiencing. And so that gap right there, you know, if you call it between a five and a 10, for example, is what I like to explore. I like to live in that gap. And I think, you know, back to what I'm doing with the idea of best practices versus intuition, there's a lot of misconception around this. I think people, they view successful work. They view that 10 out of 10 that they admire from in or outside their industry. Like someone has taken this giant leap. They've, they're a risk taker, right? The dialogue around entrepreneurship today, I think is incredibly broken. The dialogue around creatives or creators is incredibly backwards. It's this idea that like you saw around a corner, you took a giant risk. I spent three years working in venture capital and I spent about four, four, six years, um, something like that, working in tech startups. And I learned that entrepreneurs, they mitigate the risk. They're really good at taking small steps, going from zero to 60, hitting every number along the way, so that when you see their success, it's just the sum total of a lot of little wins, of a lot of small mo movements forward. Um, and so in that series on the show, what I tried to do was paint this picture of, yes, we want to be way over there. So what does it actually take? It's not all these lofty things. There are practical steps we can take, practical ways we can turn intuition into a tool that we can wield in our work. And I told, I think it was something like seven different stories, eight different stories of one, like one case where someone exhibited the first step, another where they exhibited the second step. And I went systematically across this bridge from the five to the 10. And my goal was to make this leap seem like a, a smart walk across a bridge instead. And it's funny too, because I think a lot of times what we might internally feel is a giant leap might not even be that large of a step. And, and I know this is something, so I work for a company in Tegna that always encourages risk-taking. And they're, the, the bosses there are the first to say that when you think you've gone far enough, try to go farther with your innovation. Because when you think you've gone far enough, you're probably just really scratching the surface of what you're capable of. I would make, I would posit this. I don't think people actually take risks. I say we, we say risk taking, but there's a reason people say risk taking at your organization or there's a reason that entrepreneurs claim to have taken a giant leap. It's because in their minds there it is the smart thing to do, right? Like no leader, no business, no individual practitioner is actually willing to take a risk or a leap unless they see it as beneficial, right? We're not going to do something detrimental. So it's the whole idea of like, well, if I take a risk or a leap, I can learn. All right, so it's not really risky because you're learning something. It's valuable. It's still moving you forward. A risk would be to do something that actually you see no benefit in doing, right? And no one does that. So when we talk about risk-taking, we talk about entrepreneurship or creativity or doing our best work, where the word I use is exceptional because I think to be exceptional, you have to find and follow what makes you an exception. So to become an exception in your space is actually the smart play. 
right? Because you don't blend in, because you get the opportunities, because you learn a ton of things. So I think I want to remove the conversation around risk-taking or creativity or whatever you want to call it from this lofty ideal or this giant leap into just about the most practical thing you can do. And so, you know, you mentioned the book I'm writing, Break the Wheel. The methodology in that book isn't seven steps. It isn't, uh, you know, a five-point plan. It's a list of questions that you can ask. And you can direct these questions at specific moments in your work, specific parts of your context. And if you were to ask those questions and I were to ask those questions, we'd end up in different places, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Because that's the goal is to try to explore and investigate and use who you are, what you know, what your audience is all about, your resources. It's to use your context to do work that's not commodity, right? But, but the idea that it's a risk, I think is kind of BS. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Jay Akunzo, founder of Unthinkable Media, overseer of a library of podcasts and author of the upcoming book, Break the Wheel. Uh, to your point, Jay, when I wrote my book, I thought that was a massive leap to take, not so much because it was a risk, but because it's a giant uh, undertaking. And part of why I started the blog, which has led to this podcast, is because I wanted to see if I could commit to writing every week original content. And... Once I knew I could do that, then I felt more comfortable about writing a book. But I think so often we see the, you know, as you say, we see the, the end of the process and don't think about, well, if I, if I take steps one through seven, suddenly step eight, the final product isn't so unattainable. And Scott Belsky, Scott Belsky is one of my favorite entrepreneurs. He was a, an investor for a while. He's the chief product officer at Adobe now. Scott Belsky likes to talk about the middle of a project. He's like, that's where the work happens. We talk about the beginnings, we talk about the ends, but the middle is messy, but important, right? And, and, and that's what we talk about when we talk about risk-taking. We're only seeing the end or the creative person we admire. We're only seeing the sum total of a lot of messy stuff in the middle. Now, I wanted to get into your work as a podcaster too, because as I've mentioned, you oversee, I, I, four is correct, right? There are four live shows, correct. <laughs> and there's, uh, there's one kind of documentary style Series, like oral history, if you will, uh, kind of sh a style show. Season one of that show is in the works to launch uh, this summer. Very cool. I, I, I've enjoyed, as both a listener and a podcaster, watching you experiment with the form, too. Because even within the Unthinkable podcast, which is just one of the four, you've tried series. You've tried um, – recently you've done a version where uh, instead of it being a slickly produced podcast, you've just kind of gone on mic – for 15, 20 minutes and, and just gone. And, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I'm curious as to what made you feel like this is the landscape that I want to enter as a creator, as a marketer. My whole thing is just make them feel. And my interpretation of that is pretty broad. It's every emotion in the human experience, I think, applies to our work. And yet most work-based content, whether it's about a business, a job function, and uh, you know, career more broadly, most work-based content fails to reflect the reality of like how we experience our work day to day. Um, we experience our work with lots of emotion. And so I like to, you know, from a young age, I always always loved like this idea that I could write something that made me feel or laugh, hand it to someone else, and it would trigger that emotion, and I could see that reflected back to me. Like that was magic. And so audio to me is like intimacy that scales when it's a voice based medium. 
you know, for me, it's like a lot of play. I get to like use my idiosyncrasies and what makes me me. And, um, you know, as a writer, I think it was years to get to my tone of voice and really own it. But as a podcaster, like nobody has talkers block. So I think it's a lot easier to find your voice. I'm not saying easy, but easier compared to maybe writing or, you know, even video. Um, so there was this idea that I could create these emotional stories that would fire people up and get them to think the right way. Um, the style that I do with unthinkable, I call it like clearing the deck. So it's basically, we acknowledge that, Hey, this person faced a lot of conventional wisdom. Here is their story to break from it and do better work, do exceptional work. And let's rip out some lessons to inspire each other so we can do the same, but it requires, it sort of necessitates that we stop thinking about, the tips and tricks and cheats and hacks of our little space and think more broadly and more fundamentally. Um, so there's a lot of emotion. So, you know, I guess wrap that all up and it's, it's a great medium to make people feel that's what audio is for. So as you began down that lane, did you pay attention to what other podcasts were doing? Did you want to zig when other people were zagging? What was your take on the landscape? I mean, I think it started out very similar to a lot of people, which is like, I saw my heroes in podcasting, or at least the people I admired, uh, not even just podcasting, storytelling. So in, in the audio world, you have Radio Lab I always loved, or the newer, newer shows like Reply All uh, from Gimlet Media. There's a whole slew of shows. Uh, Mike Rose, The Way I Heard It, which is short, punchy storytelling in 10-minute fashion. Roman Mars, 99% uh, Invisible. Roman Mars, certainly, 99% Invisible. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to meet him once, and it was such a treat. His radio voice is very different than his real voice, which mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. Um, I believe it. So, yeah, yeah. Mine's very similar, but it is it is a performance, after all. Um, so there were my heroes in podcasting. Then, then there were my heroes in just storytelling overall. Like, I cite Anthony Bourdain a lot, not so much for his snarky attitude. I have a very distant echo of that, but for the most part, his, his vivid style, um, and the way he uses language and he, he teases out meaningful stories from the day-to-day -day lives of human beings. That's what I love about him. And so I would see how they were doing it. Then I would sit down and try to figure out what was the structure for their delivery. You know, like the cold open for Bourdain's show was this style. It had, it was this block of content and it had these beats inside of it. And I would try to extract the framework from these people and just see if I could do it. So it was mimicry with a lot of then adding my own little versions of things. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of how this started. And then playing with the medium, you know, to me, that's just ref reflecting back my desire to keep improving. So it's like, I, you know, I don't want to grow for growth's sake, whether it's my show or my business. I want to build everything on the idea that it's about constant improvement. So like, what are one or two things that I can do better in this episode or with this project or what's something I haven't tried that I need to put in the reps on, you know, so maybe the first version is the worst, but the goal is that over time, the body of work will be better. Um, so that's why I think I play so much with that, that format. And the, your new venture, the maker channel is almost an explosion of that. hundred percent. So the maker channel is the second like owned and operated podcast feed that I have. You mentioned mo more than that, more than two shows. The rest are all my clients shows, um, which I may or may not appear on as a voice, but I have a hand in crafting and the maker channel is the second one. That's just mine, like unthinkable. Uh, and the, the purpose of that show is to basically experiment. And it's very new. It just launched. So there's a trailer episode and like one pilot raw cut of a show called Project Showtime, which is a show about making shows. But I'm going to pipe through that one feed, multiple shows in development with clients and then multiple experimental shows that I just might want to create to serve the audience like a community or maybe as a pilot to try and sell to a brand. And uh, the analogy I always use is that it's like the small comedy club 
of podcasts about work. So you think about what a comedian goes through to create the Netflix special. They don't just walk out to the main stage with all the heavy production and expect the special to kill. They go to small comedy clubs and they work on their material and their performance of the material, both for their own sake and to get like reflection back from the audience and feedback back from the audience. And so that's what the Maker Channel is. I'm gonna build a small community around that to give feedback and then it's also a way to practice and tinker on an episode in the wild. And the goal is, over time, spin out a number of shows to stand on their own, while at the same time build a community around this idea of people who love the creative craft and they want to create better shows themselves. Now, I'm curious, because I've listened to the Difference podcast, which you do, which is one of your B2B ones. And obviously, you've got Unthinkable, you've got the Maker Channel. Um, you are someone who again, loves to talk about the finding your voice within and trusting your intuition. How have you fared in terms of keeping your additional creations from becoming too much like a formula? I'm still figuring that out. Huh. I think one of the most important things that I do uh, or that I've found is, is most helpful is that extraction exercise that I mentioned of like going to somebody I admire that I think like tonally or thematically relates to this project. Okay. So a really good example is that show. Uh, you mentioned the difference. There's another client show called Org Uncharted. And Org Uncharted is interviews with people who have questioned conventional forms of leadership and they're doing new things. Uh, so for example, you know, if you think of the org chart as a bunch of nodes, little circles that connect, you know, what if you stepped outside the bounds of the traditional thinking around an org chart or team development? What exists out there? Let's let's adventure away from that. And so the sound of the show, there's like a, you know, you hear like a diver splashing into the water and some kind of melodic notes. It's supposed to evoke this idea of exploration. And I'm like, all right, what other shows do a good job of exploring something in depth? And I went over to uh, one of my favorite podcasts called Binge Mode which has nothing to do with the business world. Binge mode is literally deep explorations of shows that you binge, like Game of Thrones or Westworld and, uh, or movies. And they have a chapter-based approach. So, I went, so knowing the client, I went over to another favorite show that I thought would you know, help me create something original with that client. I ripped out their structure, and then I, I thought to myself, okay, what do I then bring to the table to couple with the structure of someone else's show? Uh, maybe it's the emotional angle or what does the brand I'm working with convey to the world already that I can couple with those two things or, or I guess in triplicate add something new to the equation. So I'm constantly like grabbing the structure of something that works and then the themes, the tone, the style, the topics of myself and a client and trying to mash that together. And I think, and I, I know I'm still figuring this out, but I think that creates something new and not rote compared to other shows I launch. Very interesting. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Jay Akunzo, founder of Unthinkable Media. Jay, I like to use this final section of the podcast as an advice section for younger journalists. And even though you are not technically a journalist, I think the advice that you offer is so critical for those just starting out in the business because there are so many non-traditional ways to do this job. But so often, when you start in the field, you want we want to get hired by a traditional outlet, and those outlets start to get you into a routine, and you ultimately get stuck in the way things have always been done. My question to you, what would you tell folks who want to trust their intuition, but don't necessarily have the foundation yet, or the, uh, the income yet, to execute that? Tinker on the side. 
create side projects. I, you know, I, I guess I am a journalist in that I'm creating journalistic material. I'm doing interviews and crafting a narrative yes. and I'm, I'm reporting on certain things. It's more subjective. It's more like creative nonfiction because I'm adding a lot more of my own subjectivity and point of view and opinions. But at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. We all want to do work that matters and matter in our work. And I think we do matter in our work until we just think that the, the key to a great career is expertise. Right. And so we go and borrow expertise from experts. We go and find past precedents in a role or a business or a company we work for, a publication, an industry. Uh, we look for best practices in the form of lists and books and, yes, podcasts. And the, again, those are just options for starting out. They're not final answers and they're not the only options for starting out. There are other things you can pull out of your own life. And so I think what I would say to, to people is question everything, like become a think for yourselfer instead of a follow the lister. And apply your hypotheses, those questions, if you can't do it in the day job, do it on the side. Like my, the story of my career is that of side projects. I've worked for some reputable tech companies and I've built a lot of communities and audiences at those companies. But along the way, I launched, I think I counted once, I think it was like 32 side projects in 10 years. Some of whom, some of which just were like a logo and an idea. Right. Some of which got out into the world, built an audience and broke my back. So I killed them. Some of which nobody cared about, but I loved. So it's like this smattering of stuff, you know. So the goal is to create a body of work. And over time, as you get those reps and as you question everything happening around you of like the sh you, you have to do this or you must take this approach, you, you start to get like a sixth sense. Right. And I think that's when your intuition speeds up. I think at first it's a slow process of asking the right questions, questions that I'm trying to tease out that we can all ask in my book. But uh, asking questions is a slow, methodical process at first. And I think the more you do this, especially if you can launch a lot of side projects where you can sprint, the more it just becomes how you operate. So launch side projects, question everything, and over time build a body of work that gives you that ability. I want to uh, take those last two minutes and just, uh, you know, uh, encase them in, in ice or uh, whatever, uh, you know, whatever material is necessary to, uh, to, to let them live forever. <laughs> that was beautiful. And, and I think the only other thing that I – the only thing that I will add to that is that I think the other thing that happens when you start tinkering with side projects is you start dipping into other media and other lanes. So if you are a blogger or if you're a podcaster, there are ways to dip that back into your work as a reporter. If you uh, – you know, if you're interested in the music industry or if you're interested in entertainment – there are ways, you know, there are lessons you can take from those fields. Uh, like you said, you know, you listen to the Binge Mode podcast and then apply it to some of your own stuff. I think there, there are a lot of ways that a journalist can borrow from other industries in their own work and still have the journalistic integrity and still do the reports as is needed, but not necessarily be bound by the traditional ways. And I think the more that you tinker and try and ask as a young journalist, the better equipped you'll be for that, uh, even in your first few years. We had a guest, uh, the most recent guest before you, Emily Cassie, 25 years old, and is doing tremendous documentary work with uh, NBC Left Field, with the New York Times, with the BBC. And I could tell interviewing her that she just refused to get involved in the way things had always been done. She had a vision from college that she really grasped grasped onto and stuck with and she taught herself the skills but she knew the vision from the outset and i think 
a lot of us are far less sure of that. And we need to do it in a, a little more methodical way where we start out slow and tinker on the side before we make that leap for ourselves. I, I don't read marketing blogs. I read very few uh, marketing uh, or listen to very few marketing podcasts. I've never read a marketing book. And it's like I've only ever worked in marketing. I keep getting hired. Why? Because I, I try to pay more attention to the fundamentals, to the human elements happening. Why is this technology important today? What's going on with people? What is it that drives me forward? What's my aspiration for my work? Who are my true believers? Am I getting a strong enough signal from the audience that, yes, you know, these are people that don't know me in the real world that are responding passionately to my work. It might be small at first, but it's signal I should lean in and go that direction, even though the direction seems unconventional compared to others. Like if you just paid attention to your environment, to your context and became an investigator more so than like just a, uh, you know, person that relies on what came before or a person that follows the list, that is the path to exceptional work. Cause you start to use all the details of your situation that makes your situation an exception. Right. And I think again, that is how you do anything exceptional. So let me ask you this, and uh, then we'll wrap up. So you've obviously got so much going on. You've got the podcast. You've got your business. You've got the book coming out. You give keynote speeches. How far out did you plan this career path, and how far out do you plan as far as the big picture goes? Interesting. I think I have like real grandiose aspirations and then like very near-term goals. And the middle... I just kind of let unfold as it may. Um, so I think I'm very strategic, but I don't try to like obsess over all the theory of what could be. So I think like, you know, as a person, I mentioned Anthony Bourdain. My, my goal is to be like the Anthony Bourdain of, of business. Like, I want to tell amazingly crafted, beautiful stories about the working world um, that inspire people, that, that shed light on things that deserve to have more light shed on them, that, that aren't just the same case studies told over and over again. And I think the summary of how he does his storytelling is pulling out meaningful stories about humans from the seemingly day to day. So I want to do that. Now I could do that as a solo personality. I could do that building unthinkable media into a giant brand that's synonymous with smart and entertaining content about work. Uh, there's a lot of ways I can do that. So rather than get super prescriptive and try to, you know, reverse engineer every step, I'm trying stuff. I'm testing. Like my, my career has been a constant, idea of like everything's a test. So like my test now is can I create four to six shows with clients that will then supplement the speaking that I do. So that's like my opportunistic and my client works. So those are my two categories of revenue and then build community. Like I'm getting paid to create art rather than or I'm getting paid so I can create art and community rather than trying to get paid by the community to create art. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's how I think about my work right now. I got this like mountain peak in the distance then there's a jungle in between me and that. And I'm just like picking up a machete and hacking my way forward. And every so often a community member is like, you should go left, Jay. And I'm like, all right, let me see if there's enough proof that I should go left. Um, but that's, that's as far as I get. It's an aspiration. And then like a little heuristic for what I'm doing right now to earn money with my craft and then build community around it. Jay, that's all the questions I have, but I always like to end with that famous reporter's question. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? <laughs> Look, I'm I'm providing a bunch of options. Like I want to I want to give a an interview or a speech or write a book, which is like the last of all those things. I've given you a bunch of options. I've given you a bunch of ideas. None of what your gospel. Like question it all. Become an investigator, not only into the subject for your stories, but into the environment in which you operate. Why are things done a certain way? 
How can you improve upon them? How do you find and follow what makes you an exception? Because that's the path to exceptional work. Outstanding. Jay Akunzo, thanks so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. Check out my book, The Solo Video Journalist. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah.